welcome to Staying Sober. This is going to be either a short episode or a long episode. I can't really tell right now, but we'll see where we go with it. This is going to be an episode a little bit about my story and kind of my experience and and where I'm coming from. Uh, We, me and all my friends all started drinking very early, like in seventh grade. And we never stopped. Uh, Nobody really ever got to the point like, like I did. I have one friend that probably did and we talk pretty often. He's, he's also sober, but we're on the path of sobriety, however you want to look at it. But uh, we all started drinking pretty early and we were, you know, everybody that, (laughs) everybody that I graduated with in my eighth grade class, um, not everybody, but a bunch of people wrote that I wouldn't live to see 18. And when I got there, they were all surprised by it. And then when I turned 19, I, I made a decision to move to Los Angeles twice. I moved there uh, for, for about a year, moved back after I didn't see there was anything for me and I didn't think it was the right decision that I made. And then the second time I moved there, I tried to do a little bit better for myself, but I ended up getting a little bit uh, too deep into the cocaine and the, and the alcohol and I ended up spending all my money on those two things instead of rent and uh, I just ran out of I just ran out of time there I went to Musicians Institute ended up dropping out and uh, you know over the course of probably through the age of 25 I ended up going to seven different colleges and dropping out all seven times uh, you know I didn't really find myself in California I didn't really discover anything new um, aside from cocaine uh, I just I just knew it wasn't right for me and maybe I was young and naive and it, it could have been good for me, but you know, I ended up, I ended up considering that a failure. You know, I moved out there and, uh, my buddy went on to be very successful. He still is very successful and I'm super proud of him, but I wasn't very proud of myself for that, for that time in my life. I made a lot of mistakes, but I've certainly learned from them. After I moved back from California, like I said, I, tr- I went to seven different colleges and failed out of all of them. Well, you know, withdrew or whatever, failed out of every class I could. I ended up trying to become a an Illinois state sheriff and uh, working in the jail. And unfortunately for me, I failed either my polygraph test or the psych test. And I think it was the psych test because I wrote down that I was interested in poetry. And I think that somebody working in a jail has to have tough skin and maybe a a poet or somebody that's interested in, in poetry wouldn't really fit in with their culture, which is fine by me. I think that was a good experience to go through that process and see what it like, see what it feels like to be judged and scrutinized from every angle. After that, I, uh, I made a decision that I was going to follow on the path of my then-girlfriend's father and a couple of my dad's friends and become a building engineer. Uh, that, took, that took a little bit of extra work. Uh, it took a little bit of, you know, face-in-the-shit type of work that I wasn't really used to. And uh, I made some good friends along the way and partied pretty hard during that entire time of my life. And then in 2016, my son was born, and uh, 
although I didn't make a commitment to get sober then, uh, I definitely slowed down the amount of alcohol and marijuana and cocaine I consumed. Uh, you know, cocaine was then reserved for weddings and bachelor parties, which is not the right mindset for me. It's either all or nothing with my, with my thought process. Uh, I guess I should go back a little bit here. Uh, I met my wife in two, my, my, my wife now uh, in 2011, and that's when the, the real catalyst for change started. You know, it didn't start with my son. It started with my wife. Uh, I was picking up dog shit for a living at the time that we met making, uh, I believe it was, I mean, depending on the week, it was probably four, 400 bucks a week. And, uh, I was doing the right thing. You know, I was cashing my checks at the bar that we met at and spending as much as I could on alcohol, like a true responsible adult. And, uh, after that, after, you know, we met and we got along for a while, you know, she, she pushed me to, to get a better job. And then came the opportunity to start up with a, uh, with a medical waste disposal company. And I went from being a driver to the operations manager there for a couple of years. And during that time, uh, I made a lot of really good industry contacts and I, I learned, I learned a lot from that job. And I also learned about what it feels like to get, uh, fired from a job. And, uh, I remember, I remember when I was working there, I was probably drinking a bottle of Jack Daniels a night because not only was I working during the daytime, but I was expected to work the whole time I was at home and try to coordinate things. And, uh, I just couldn't deal with it and I didn't know how to deal with it. So instead of compartmentalizing it and, and taking it apart piece by piece, I would try to attack it all at once. And it was very overwhelming and in order to deal with that. I would just get hammered. Uh, I was definitely smoking weed at like six o'clock in the morning before work, after the gym. Uh, just a total loser mentality. And, and I was 100% a total loser. Uh, not my proudest moment, but I learned quite a bit from that. So, uh, you know, after that and going through the state police during that time and going through the, uh, you know, the qualification, the qualifications and all the training and testing to become a building engineer. Um, I, I was an apprentice for, for three years and I ended up, uh, moving buildings twice. And then I moved on to a, to a different building when I became a journeyman. And at that time I thought I was making a ton of money and I thought that, you know, my family and I, we had it made, uh, before I, before I got my journeyman job, I started up a candle company and considered it, you know, a, a way to make side income and it helped, but it didn't help at the right time. So, you know, we were, we were in my eyes now, we were definitely broke, you know, taking home a little bit of money every month, uh, from my, from my job that I worked my ass off to get and, uh, you know, burning the candle at both ends. I was working, you know, 40 hours a week as a building engineer and damn near the whole time that I was driving into work, I was on the phone with, with new clients that I was trying to take on for a, another business that I had started, a little, you know, search engine optimization and lead generation business. And I found myself just like wasting time at work, wasting time, burn, you know, burning up time with my family. I had no availability for anybody. It was just me, me, me. And I was trying to to grow all these things at once. And I, I was kind of a, in a position where I had to shit or get off the pot with the, 
with the, you know, the guaranteed income. And I started listening to a lot of music that kind of talked about how a guaranteed wage was, uh, was like a death sentence and how if I didn't hustle and figure out what I wanted to do with my life, like the real thing I wanted to do with my life, I would end up, you know, on my deathbed regret, regretting it. And, uh, and that really resonated with me. So I started looking into finding people to, to help me through the, the entrepreneurial process and, and get myself to the next level. Um, I don't think I'd ever been as scared as I was in that moment or in that time period because, you know, there was just enough, we were living paycheck to paycheck with the engineering and I wasn't sure if it was the right decision that I made. So, um, when I started reaching out to people to, to find as mentors and to find as people that would help serve me in a bigger capacity and and help me to help others, I, uh, I ran across a couple of different, you know, in the, in this day and age, we call them gurus, but you know, internet marketing is, uh, is a huge piece of everybody's business. So to learn that valuable skill set, I had to reach out to people that knew better than I did. Uh, I had gone through two different programs with two different coaches and spent about uh, probably eight to 10 grand on educating myself, took out credit cards, spent what I had to on that stuff. And uh, by the fourth month, I had made a decision based on what somebody else had told me and had given me permission to do was I went home and I quit my job. And for my whole life, you know, I was, you know, you listen to your parents, you listen to, to friends, you listen to people, you know, and sometimes you, or I, sometimes I would think that I knew better than they did. And their, their advice, not that it didn't mean anything to me, but it wasn't permissible. It wasn't, it wasn't something that I could get behind because they weren't enormously successful. But when I got around people that were doing big things and somebody that I didn't know gave me permission to quit my job, told me that I had to quit my job if I wanted to get what I, what I wanted to get, if I wanted to achieve my dreams of financial freedom and time freedom and not worrying about what people thought of me and, and getting to the true next level for myself, it required me going home and quitting my job. And I remember kind of how the whole day played out. You know, I, uh, I got back from, from my trip that where I met, you know, two, well, one really brilliant entrepreneur. And he was the one that gave me the advice to quit. And, uh, when I got home from the trip, I told my wife about it and I said, you know, I'm going to quit my job in two weeks. And she said, no, bitch, you're quitting your job today. So that day I was, uh, I was so, we were so broke, you know, I was at Kinko's making, printing out my resignation letter. And I got a call while I was at Kinko's from a client that I had been chasing down for my lead generation business. And he wired me $5,000. So the day I quit my job, I had made the most money I ever made in one day. And that fueled the next, you know, the next client and the client after that. So I was able to take, now I had more time because I quit my job. You know, I I walked in with my folded up piece of paper and uh, the partner that I was working with at the, at the building looked at me and he said, is that your resignation letter quietly? And I, I said, you know, I kind of shushed him, told him, yeah. And, uh, and then I brought it in to, to talk to my chief to kind of to resign. And he was so excited. He said to me, he said, is that the homework that you had over the weekend? Is that your test results? I said, no, nah, it's a little bit different than that. And he knew it. He knew right then that I was quitting. Um, but luckily, you know, those guys all supported me. 
and said, you know, we knew we knew it was going to come one day. We just weren't sure when. And, you know, best of luck to you. So I had two weeks left there. And to really show you how, in, how, how valued you are as an employee, they had me replaced within 48 hours. So I, I had never felt less than in my life. And that was the moment of true, nobody gives a fuck about you when you're an employee moment. And it's not, it may not be true for everybody. I know for my company, we treat our employees, you know, we, we treat our team members like, like, like part of the family, you know, they, they come in, we buy them lunch on Saturdays, uh, any days that they're out working in the field, they get taken care of, they get, they get whatever they need from us that we've got their back. And that's not what you get from every employer. Uh, but we have a different mindset and mentality over, uh, with the company I started, but you know, to put it in perspective, you know, when I had nothing or when I was making very little, the one thing that was keeping me from making all that money was myself and my own thoughts. I was worried about what other people thought of me. I was worried about failing. I was worried about how I was going to make it happen. And I needed, I needed to find that, I needed to find that spark and get that permission from somebody I didn't know, which is, it sounds super weird, but when you meet the right person and they tell you the right thing, it's like, it's like, it's like magic. There's nothing else that can stop you when, when you get a piece of advice or a piece of information from somebody that you value so highly that it causes you to make a great change in your life. Um, I'm not going off on some motivational rant here. This is just a part of my story. You know, I was, uh, I, I was nothing and I considered myself to be something at that time, you know, but when I look back on it, my, my impact on the world was so low and so little that. I was just a cog in the wheel. I was, I was a piece of somebody else's machine and it didn't matter how impactful they were because my, my impact was very little in the organization. And it, it meant it, to me, it meant nothing. And I, I, it, it hurts to say that when I look back on it, but I've grown so much since that moment and that period of my life. I mean, it's, it's only been, you know, 18 months or so it's growing from that moment to where I am now took all the courage I had and took all the supports, the ports, you know, the supports I had in, in place, you know, between my wife and my, uh, my mother and father-in-law and my dad and my stepmom and my own mother, you know, nobody ever told me I couldn't fucking do it. All that shit that people talk about haters. They talk about people not believing in them. It's all in your own fucking head. The people that believe in you are going to be there believing in you the whole fucking time. And you may not see it because you have your blinders on and you've got your head down looking at something that's small and insignificant right in front of you and maybe untrue. But when you start broadening your picture and start looking at things globally and from a from an overhead view, you know, you can see that whatever you're chasing may only be two or three steps in front of you, but they may be the fucking hardest two or three steps you've ever taken in your life. And I encourage you to to look and seek those truths and, and see what, what people around you are, are truly feeling and how they truly feel about you. But it takes a level of honesty and it takes a level of insight that, you know, no one's going to help you push your car unless you're pushing it yourself. So if you're looking for help and if you're looking for guidance, you must seek it and you must try to help yourself first. And this really all just ties back to sobriety. And I don't, whenever I talk to people, I don't go preaching sobriety I don't give a fuck what you do with your life, but I know that it's helped me become the man I am today. I for sure would not be as successful 
even though I don't really consider it to be success yet, I have not reached my goals. I have not reached my, my gotten my, the results that I want. I've moved quickly and gotten to a, another, a brand new level, the craziest level everything's been at, but there's no success in my, in my, in my language, really. Um, that's just an easy way to convey what I've been to what I've become. Um, if you're, if you're struggling with, with what to do next, I, I truly, I truly think it comes from within us. And it took, it took me booking that flight to Austin, Texas. It took me having a a real conversation about what my real fears were. And it took me getting permission from somebody I didn't know to make the leap. And when I made the leap, everything exploded. You know, you're, you're net, you have to reach out to your network when you're starting something up. And the same goes with sobriety. When you're, when you're trying to get sober, the best people to ask are people that are already doing it or have gone through it or know more than you do. The only, the only stupid question is the question that doesn't get asked. So when you're, when you're seeking stability and you're seeking a change, uh, it starts from within, but you have to gain the courage to ask what you think may be stupid questions, but could change your life. And it may require a financial commitment. It may require a time commitment. It may require physical and mental commitments that you've never felt before. But once you're uncomfortable and you get comfortable with that discomfort, then you can start really growing and pushing yourself to new places. But again, it all comes from within. If you don't want to get sober, if you don't want to start a business, if you don't want to get a better job, if you don't want to be treated well by an employer, if you don't want your spouse to respect you, if you don't want people around you to respect you, that's up to you. You keep that shit inside. And you're going to always keep that inside unless you make a choice that it's time to nut up and fucking and make a change or ovary up, I guess, if there, if there's anybody listening that's got ovaries instead of nuts. But in any case, you have to find it from within you. You have to find the desire to become sober. You have to truly find your why. And I'm definitely not going to go into to purpose right now. I'll, I'll go into purpose and finding your why on the next podcast. But it's going to take guts. It's going to take breaking something and fixing it. It's going to take just doing it and taking action. Because if you expect to read about something and think you're going to be able to perform, reading out, reading about it is just so you get enough information to start. That's it. Because your experience is going to be a thousand percent different than the next person's. And it's going to be 10,000 percent different than the person that wrote that book or wrote that article or fucking Gary Veeger ass and talked to you on Instagram. Uh, it's all about finding it within you and building up that courage to, to make a change and building a support network around yourself. And I didn't start my journey sober, but I will finish my journey sober. And the middle part of my journey again is going to be sober because without the clarity, without the, the ability to read people, without the ability to read myself and love myself and love my family the way I do, I couldn't spread that love and I couldn't spread that uh, that ability to help or use my abilities to help others. Um, if you help one person, you help yourself and it may be 10 X. It may be a hundred X. It may, it may be one-to-one who knows, but I guarantee it. You start helping people after you've helped yourself, you'll gain some, you'll gain some momentum from that, but you must seek confidence within yourself. You must seek the next steps within yourself. After that, everybody else is going to jump on board. And when you've, 
reached your pinnacle, you've reached a peak, you've reached fuck even the next level, they're going to all say how they were there for you from the beginning. And even if they weren't, that's not for you to judge. Let people be your supporters because we don't have any fucking haters. We make our own support group and hate is for weak people. So if you're struggling with alcohol or drugs, please reach out to me. I'd love to help you. That was a little bit about my story. Uh, and it takes some vulnerability to get there and, and be able to speak about that stuff. It feels good to talk about it. And I appreciate y'all listening. Thank you.